Today, I'm talking with two leaders who are changing the world by confronting the challenges of local government. They're doing this work with nobility, service, and excellent. This is an excellent episode because it impacts every one of us. The decisions that are made at local government impact our lives and our cities. They are doing good work that I know will inspire you. We're going to talk about how they're using trimetrics. They're talking about how they make decisions and things that they do in their life. And it's uh, inspirational and helpful on so many levels. And I can't wait to share it with you. Michael, hit it. Welcome to the Wake Up Eager Workforce Podcast, a show designed for leaders, trainers, and consultants who are responsible for employee selection and professional development. Each episode is packed full with insider tips, best practices, expert interviews, and inspiration. Please welcome the host who is helping leaders, trainers, and consultants everywhere, Susie Price. And you are listening to the Wake Up Eager Workforce podcast. And my name is Susie Price. I am the founder of Priceless Professional Development. And at the Wake Up Eager Workforce podcast, we cover everything related to helping you and the employees in your organizations build a high commitment, low drama, wake up eager workforce. So that's what we want. We want high commitment. I'm engaged in the work. I'm enthused in the work. We want low drama, means I have trust with the people I'm working with, the company I'm working for. I have belief in the mission and the vision, and all of that comes together to create a wake-up, eager workforce. And so we want to help leaders make good decisions about their people, make good decisions about everything they do in their work, and uh, help you build that kind of environment. So we focus on helping build that environment by using different tools that help employees throughout the employee life cycle for hiring, onboarding, team building, leadership development, succession planning, and conflict resolution. And today, our episode is episode 96. It'll be 96 and 97. So there's a part one and part two. The title is Confronting the Challenges of Local Government with Nobility, Service, and Excellence. We're going to talk about the challenges in local government and how that impacts all of us. So you might be surprised at the level of challenge that the governments are, that are running our cities are faced with. We're going to learn about T2 Professional Consulting and their company is focused on helping local government and how they are using Trimetrics, which is a tool we talk about a lot here on the podcast and we use with all of our clients. They're using the tool to bring a freedom to decision-making within the organization because it creates some kind of consensus and agreement and it's something they take and complete. It creates a baseline and it helps them overcome bias when they're making decisions, especially with uh, high-level positions that are going to impact uh, the city. And then it'll be interesting, I think, for you to hear how these leaders use their experience, their, their top motivators and communication strengths to inspire and support others. And so uh, a rich discussion today. The show notes for today can be found at pricelessprofessional.com forward slash local government, pricelessprofessional.com forward slash local government. Now, let me tell you a little bit about who we're talking to today, and then we'll go right into our discussion. It's T2 Professional Consulting. They are a collaboration of government and corporate experts. They provide a host of services and tools to foster a healthier work environment, They help with leadership training, recruitment services, and other specialized consulting services to help them reduce risk, create healthy and safe work environments, and foster high productivity. So you can hear that their mission very closely aligns with what we do here at Priceless Professional Development. 
And I'm so happy that we found each other because I'm supporting them behind the scenes with their use of the Trimetrics Assessment and some of the tools that we have as one of their partners in, in working with city governments. Let me tell you a little bit about Mike and Micah. I've thoroughly enjoyed getting to know them, and you're going to hear their level of honor uh, in their life and the work that they do. But let's tell you a little bit of the facts here about Mike Wilson is the founder of T2 Professional Consulting and CEO. And he also has another company called New in Blue, where they focus on innovation for the police force. And he started his career as a, as a police officer. And then throughout, he's, he's worked on technology and overseen all kinds of design and implementation of software solutions, making communication and transparency and uh, financial controls, you know, all the software and the work that he has done in, throughout his career has been focused on making all of that work better. And he's enhanced emergency dispatching, uh, body camera implementation, and gotten some awards for the communication around 911. So, so many things that he has been involved in that has been really important. He holds a master's and bachelor's degree in business administration with a concentration in finance. Uh, which he earned during his career in law enforcement. And he's done extensive graduate level study in communications and organizational development. So that's Mike Wilson. Michael Lunt is a principal and chief operations officer for T2. Uh, he also started his career as a police officer and, and served as a police sergeant, police lieutenant, and a chief of police before he moved into consulting and, and some private work. He is a proven leader with a diversified educational and experiential background in both public and private sectors, and he has a master's degree in psychology. I can't wait for you to meet them and learn more about them. Let's go to the discussion now. Mike and Micah, so good to see you. Thank you for being here. Hello, Susie. Pleasure to be here. Happy as always, Susie, to be with you and uh, chatting about our stuff. Yes, and we're going to jump right in. We're going to talk about the work that you do for city governments and city leaders and the work you're doing. It, the way I always think about it is you're helping them make good decisions. So talk about some of the specific challenges for cities uh, in Texas and everywhere. You know, you know that more than any of us. Tell us what's going on and what they're facing. Well, do you want to start, Micah, or would you like me to? Go for it. All right. Uh, well, one of the biggest, more prevailing issues is that you've seen a significant shift in tenure and uh, senior executive level leadership positions. You know, probably a decade ago, you know, average tenure was between five and seven years of some of your top executives. Uh, just over the last couple of years, that's actually dropped to about three, three to four years. So, what happens is that creates a pretty intense dynamic where, you know, cities uh, with that transition, every time you have a transition, you're losing institutional knowledge. And at the same time, it elicits emotional responses, sometimes physical responses, because we know that change is almost always construed in a negative way. So, that negativity will start to trigger, you know, fears and anxieties and uh, because we all fear the unknown. And what it does is it has really started to shift the model as far as planning, strategy, uh, long-term planning in our municipal environments. So less experience, more change kind of creates a cauldron of fear within city council members who most of the time are city council members volunteer. Do they get paid? 
Yeah, mostly they're 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 volunteers. So you have that dynamic going, yeah, going on in your governing body. But at the same time, it's really intensified when you're looking at the workers, you know, the uh, folks that are tasked with providing those services direct directly to the uh, community. So you package that with everything else that is going on in in our country and all of the uh, fears. You know, we're coming off of COVID where there is a level of social unrest, dissatisfaction with some aspects, whether it's federal, state, local, and the governance, you know, with within our uh, country. And then we add to, you know, some of the, the violent events that are occurring in, in our communities. So they're getting hit from all levels. There, there really is, is no safe haven because all of these things have kind of permeated into the uh, home. So what our goal is and what our intent is, is, you know, we want folks to be happy at work, but also happy at home in all of our efforts. What would you add, uh, Micah, to the challenges or what, what Mike shared? You know, two two things come up based upon upon that. Uh, totally agree. Folks are just not staying in jobs nearly as long as they are across the industry uh, or across the, the workforce as a whole in public and private. Uh, one of the issues that, that government has struggled with for so long is just lagging behind. You know, there will be a, a best practice or there will be something that will come through in, in the private sector. And it, it takes us in government sometimes a decade or more to catch up to that. And the more that technology continues to advance, the more that competition continues to grow, that just isn't working anymore. It's too slow. And cities, I think, are, are struggling with how to, how to keep up, how to compete in the marketplace for workers, uh, whether they be at the senior level or, or frontline level or anywhere between. And so that's a, a, another piece that while the public sector and the private sector are, are very different, there are some great things that we can learn and apply in government, particularly in local government, that some of our, our partners in the business world uh, have been doing successfully for years. And, and we do some of that with, within T2L. Awesome. So when you talk about these changes, we're going to talk about some of the things that you do, because I've been so impressed with the both of you and the work you're doing. And I just feel like it matters so much. But I want to bring it home to people who are listening, because one, I was I'm not very familiar with the government and or city councils. My dad was a mayor when I was a child in my little town of South Congaree. So I do know that I remember he was the mayor, but that's beside the point that did just come to mind. But Talk a little bit about how these challenges, how do they impact the everyday citizen? So everybody who's listening lives in a city and is impacted by these challenges. Remind us or tell us what they are. Well, one of the major challenges is that local government elections are generally decided by 10% or less of the population that is in that area. So, you know, you take a city with with 10,000 folks. Oftentimes, all those decisions in terms of who's becoming the mayor, who's who's getting onto city council or the the county commissioner's court can be decided by a thousand folks or even a few hundred people, even in something that large. And so it's very easy for different interests to 
influence who gets into those leadership positions if folks are not paying attention. Why does that matter? Well, units of local government are the ones that make decisions over zoning. So what kind of facility can be developed right next door to you or down the road from you? What kind of businesses will that local government attract, which of course contributes to the amount of of revenue that can come come into the city or to the county from a sales tax standpoint or a property tax standpoint and that revenue is what that's what the city uses or the county uses to provide services water services sewer services trash services the things that that all of us need in order to run our daily lives and I, i've always found this interesting if you go to a restaurant and you get bad service Generally, you can just go to a different restaurant. You can immediately take your money and go somewhere else. When you live in in a community, as we all do, it's hard to move. You can't call up the neighboring town and say, well, my town won't pick up my trash. Why don't you come over and do it? I'll pay you the money instead. It doesn't work like that. If you live in that community, you, you are required to pay taxes and fees to that community. And that's also been something that's contributed to the lag in government is that governments have a steady source of income that is lawfully derived. Their citizens have to pay that money. And until you know things get so bad that people vote with their feet, in other words, they, they leave the community, which is costly and time consuming and so forth, uh, sometimes that doesn't motivate a unit of local government to, to kind of step up their game. In major metro areas and stuff like that, where there really is more competition, sometimes that drives it, but uh, that can be a, a, a struggle uh, for sure. And a reason why it's important to the everyday everyday person that might not be uh, immediately involved in local government, but it, it affects their daily life. Well, it sure is a reminder to get involved in your local government in the elections, pay attention, yeah. And then and then also kind of a need for more accountability. Sounds like that maybe, you know, for the decisions that are made, which is interesting. Interesting. And in our democracy, that that comes down to the people. Yeah, it's the people. Yeah. Anything you would add, Mike? Uh, you know, I think Mike had hit the nail on the on the head. It's all about empowering communities. There's a lot of frustration because communities feel that they have not been empowered as they, they once were. So what what you have is really just a lot of things that are driven by fear. But the fear that we're talking about is the fear of the unknown. And kind of going back to the opening, when you have shorter tenures, you're not going to have the rich relationships that are going to lead to trust because people are losing trust in the traditional framework of government. And the only way that we build that is through uh, relationships. Uh, so with the shorter tenures, we're, we're losing those rich relationships that can transcend the fears or the lack of trust people hold within our governmental framework. Hence the reason I am so excited that I get to work with you all because I'm so excited about what you're doing, which is trying to right-size some of these challenges and trying to help communities be more functional and less dysfunctional, manage their fear, manage all these challenges. So I wanted to, for people to really 
get it because I don't think I always paid too much attention to it, but I'm much more aware of it now that I see the challenges that you take. And they are big challenges for people to step into. And so I've been impressed with your ability to remain steady in the midst of some turmoil sometimes in, in different different places. So talk a little bit about your work experience. I've already shared your bios, of course, but talk about how your training and your work experience makes you ideal for this work and maybe a little bit about why you each personally do this work. Well, I think it all starts with where you come from. You know, Micah and I both come from public safety as kind of our baseline. And we were raised up in the nobility. And to really succeed in those roles, you have to have uh, a true servant's heart to place others above self. And I think that that prepares you in a few ways. One, to deal with crisis that we often encounter when we go into situations, be able to slow down, actually to speed up, uh, to process what, you know, what's going on through honed observation skills, fact finding, et cetera, you know, just those those hard skills, but to go really a step step beyond to the soft skills and uh leveraging the ability to build rapport and build rapport quickly because in in the role of a police officer is especially when you're rolling into critical incidents where a person just experienced the worst day of their life in in many cases the ability to quickly establish rapport and a level of trust goes a long ways and within that scene, but also within their ability to recover from whatever they have just experienced. So operating within a hypervigilant state, uh, you know, just going through, you know, the ebbs and flows that are associated with that career personally allows us to not only validate people's feelings and where they're coming from, but also to understand that working government there's stress and there's trauma. But what COVID revealed to us is that no one is immune to it and that that stress and trauma can be created in a lot of ways, you know, through, you know, what we're seeing all day, every day on television, through news reports, fears being communicated through social media, through face-to-face interactions. So our ability to be able to see how all of that is interrelated and plays into the function or dysfunction of an individual, a team, a group, an organization, a community. I think that's what really positions us to best serve. That's wonderful. What would you add, Micah? So my story specifically, you know, I, as Mike mentioned, I remember, you know, when I was, when I was a beat cop, I just loved it. I mean, it was, it was incredible. You know, we go to briefing, sit down and briefing, talk to everybody, go get in my, my squad, go to my corner of the world. And, and that was my corner of the world to keep safe for the next, you know, 12 hours. And it was just, just incredible uh, experience. And then as I promoted and started having formal leadership responsibilities, it, it sort of became my uh, goal to get folks to experience that same reward of, this is seeing the the direct actions that they would take in terms of how that 
helped a victim get through something difficult or by, you know, stopping this person that was drunk when they were driving, keeping the crash from happening that, that you also have to work from time to time and just seeing that stuff. And as that transitioned into executive leadership roles and, and now ultimately with what we do in T2L, you know, whether it be in public safety or it be in public works, you know, we work with a city right now that one of their major issues that they're trying to combat is trash in the community. And so we put a measure on that of miscollections. How how many times is it happening per week that we're missing picking up residential collections? And we're tracking that. And then we, we, we're, we're seeing that decrease over time through increased training, increased standards of accountability. And the community is now starting to make social media posts and so forth about that community being cleaner. And they're establishing more pride uh, back in the community. So my, my whole piece has really been trying to take the public servant and getting them to experience the incredible reward of helping helping folks because most of us don't get into public service for money. Uh, we we get into it for for this notion of of helping our fellow person that we also live with that are part of our community and seeing that impact. And so I've really enjoyed that aspect of of my career uh, and seeing those rewards. And now in in our firm, helping cities turn that around to where the workers, the leaders are proud of uh, the services that they're able to deliver to their citizens, to their business owners that work in the city. You know, anybody that, that owns a business that works within a city has probably gone through a permit process needing to get a, a permit or a certificate of occupancy and, and things like that. Well, that can be a bureaucratic process that takes a lot of time. How efficiently uh, does a city churn those out? Do they make it easier or more difficult for someone to do business within that community? And those are ways that we help units of local government, cities and counties to improve their processes and, and ultimately better serve their citizens. And when they see that, the reward that, that comes from, from that is, is really great. Has a big impact on a lot of people. When people are hiring you, so I'm hearing about trash and figures for uh, uh, the permit process. Are they hiring you for everything, anything? What? Because uh, I uh, uh, the little part that I've been involved in is when they've been hiring a new city manager, and that is a paid position. And the city council hires the city manager. Their city council is all volunteer, but the city manager needs to be a high-level senior executive. So I know you do that piece. So give a little bit of a brief on the parts and pieces that you do. I'm curious because I'm not aware of all the other. So our search and placement process is is very unique. Mike and I are not aware of of any other firm that kind of does what we do. And and you, Susie, have been very instrumental in, in helping us really refine this process. But basically, when a when a city or a county reaches out to us and says, we need to hire X, city manager, county administrator, police chief, finance director, whatever the case may be, there are plenty of firms out there that do that work. What we have found and what a lot of our colleagues still in local government have found is the, the criticism or the difficulty of the typical approach is 
okay, you need a city manager. I'll do for you the exact same thing that I did for the last city. And we'll recruit, we'll put together a brochure and uh, we'll see who bites and, and try to get you a good candidate. It's just the traditional hiring process. And you can review pretty much any, any academic literature, Harvard Business Review, Forbes, and so forth. And there's plenty of criticism of the traditional hiring process. Doesn't work very well in private sector, doesn't work very well in public sector. And so we work on fit, establishing fit. And that process that we go through is, is very different. Uh, we certainly utilize the, the assessment tools with the trimetrics uh, as part of that process. But we also have a really detailed vetting process from written recorded response assessment centers that folks go through, video recorded uh, assessments, and, and so on. So our process is really unique in that way. And then in general, if, if a unit of local government hires us for other things, they hire us for some kind of problem. And Mike and I are, I mean, that's part of our slogan, right? Is problem solvers. That's what we do. And fortunately, we've been in a lot of positions where over the course of our career, that was what was handed to us is some kind of very significant problem, usually where the people that are in place were not being utilized to their full potential, whether that be barriers in communication patterns, or it be a toxic environment, or a whole host of other things. But we come in and we do a comprehensive assessment of the organization, analyze that through a SWOT framework. And when we then share those findings of the organization's strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats, we provide an action plan that is, is detailed saying, this is what you ought to do. This is what we believe to be the priorities. And then the organization can tackle that action plan with or without us. Usually they, they choose to tackle it with us. And that's where we try to develop that really long-term partnership and relationship uh, to help bring them forward. Wonderful. Mike, anything you want to add? The only thing that I would add, what really sets us apart in that problem-solving role is that we don't just limit those capabilities into one particular area. We have a strong and rich network of affiliates that work alongside us. And our goal with any client is to be a trusted advisor, to be available to them even long after the contract is concluded for them to use as a, a soundboard or to or to uh, reach uh, reach out. So you know, within that network or national experts, it's it's people that, you know, can help, uh, especially municipalities, work through and identify funding means um, to complete critical infrastructure pro- uh, projects and to navigate this new world that, that we live in where we're really being forced to do more with less. And even as our populations continue to swell, that 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 burden of service continues to grow. And by being able to leverage all of these resources, because we never want to be all things to all people, but what we want to be are good friends and good partners and be able to uh, do the legwork to identify people in various industries that are high integrity, whose heart is in the right place to package uh, good sound solutions to these communities. That's wonderful. Yeah, it's a trusted advisor. And then you've got this network 
that they don't have to go do all the searching when you, especially when you think about a city manager who has a very full plate, very big budget, lots to lots to run, and including the city council and trying to get their approval. I mean, it's when you think about the challenges within a city, it's amazing that anything gets done. <laughs> you know, it's amazing. And to go back to the assessment piece, when I think about the trimetrics process, the benchmark process, which is getting buy-in from the city council. I mean, I've used that in corporations where you got the the president and the COO who can't agree on the new CMO. And so they never can hire a new marketing officer because they never can agree what the person should do. And so it just gets, that's multiplied now because I don't know how many people you have in a city council, eight, 10 people on the city council, and they're supposed to come to some agreement. So I think I love the process, but I also love more um, your ability to take it and use it so quickly and so effectively to help them come to some good decision. The benchmark process is a patented process that helps a group of people come to consensus about what is needed on the job for success so that when they're looking at candidates, the bias isn't there. They're actually looking at the template for the job. And so can you speak a little bit to that? I mean, my understanding of the craziness, uh, craziness isn't a good job. The challenges is a better word uh, within a city council and in this process. Can you speak to that for just a minute? I don't want to over highlight that because you do a, a bunch of things, but so many in my community know trimetrics. So I'd be curious. Well, great. Yes, we uh, can. So Anytime you're you're working with a governing body, you're you're dealing with anywhere from uh, six, seven, or more very passionate people. As you stated earlier, they're not being paid for their volunteer service, but they want to make an impact on their community and they want to uh, serve. What we have found with uh, the tool tools like the benchmark is that number one, it gives them freedom to construct their committee however they wish to construct their committee. We've gone into uh, cities where council served in that role, but we've also served cities who said, no, we want a representation of council, but we want to represent every aspect of our community. Let's bring in a couple of residents. Let's bring in some uh, staff members. And that that really is a cool experience when you can do that. But what it does is it establishes that baseline and it establishes an anchor that we can go back to. Because face it, we all have our own agendas in life. We're all framed by past experiences. We all hold uh, bias in some form, some form or fashion. So absent an anchor that we can all kind of go back to and hold on to when we're going through a very intensive process, there are very critical decisions that have to be made that can have lasting implications on communities and on people's lives. So it it helps them manage their uh, stress. And so many times, you know, we'll get to uh, an impasse and uh, we'll bring them back to the superior performance attributes that they created, or we bring them back to key competencies that they identified. And that's them. We're simply facilitators in that role. So that's from my perspective, uh, what the most value is for us in this role is that you're able to kind of have that objective third party, which is the tool. And it, it's a product of their efforts, their passions, their inputs to always bring them back to remind them. And in every instance, it uh, does a great job in calming a room, bringing focus back to where focus needs to uh, be 
so that decisions can be made and and we can actually have healthy disagreements without casualties, you know, in the form of broken relationships, broken trust, and those things. So much that I like about that. Healthy conflict without casualties, I think is what how you said it. That is well said. Some other things that were said earlier that I want to highlight, and then Mike, I'm going to come to you and see if you have any more comments about this, what we've been talking about, and then we're going to kind of go into more about you and your careers, is what I wanted to highlight a couple of things that you said, and both of you said it in different ways, but the word that stood out was nobility. And that you say that word, nobility, servant's heart, putting others above self is truly what I have seen from both of you and what I see in this work and in the work of top police officers and top city managers, you know, they their nobility. And there's just something very strong about that. And the other thing is um, what I see in both of you are these skills that we measure actually in trimetrics. And it's the ability. We always say if you're if you have score high in these, you could go work in an emergency room. One of them is, you know, you, you think about emergency room traumas coming at you in every minute. How do those people remain calm? Well, they have developed high resiliency. So it's the ability to bounce back from stress. And a lot of that has to do with experience like you have, but it's also an internal structure. And the other is high internal self-control, which is, again, there's chaos all around and you're the person who gets calm and you even said it, you know, so you're going to observe, build rapport, you know, pay attention to what's going on. So anyway, just kudos to you both for stepping into this hotbed of challenges and making sense of it all and just um, just real pleased to know that there are people like you all out there doing this work. What else would you say, Micah, about what we've talked about before we jump into a little bit more about you guys individually? You know, the only other thing uh, which probably be helpful to you and, and to your listeners is just the value that the the trimetrics provides. Love, love the the benchmarking process. That's key. That's fundamental. But then when you get the trimetrics result and you're comparing that back to the the job benchmark. The analogy that I always use as I'm explaining this is that it it's like walking into a dark room and you got a flashlight and the trimetric shines a light into potential gaps, potential areas. And then through the use of that patented process, that just targets our research. It targets our behavioral based interviewing questions that ultimately results in better job fit. And that's the key differentiator that really, really helps. And I've just, I think that that is, is so, so valuable in hiring processes, period. And it also really highlights the fact that city manager for any city over here and city manager for some city over here, same title, different role, different job. And, and our process really captures that as well. All right. This is the end of part one of our discussion around confronting challenges of local government with nobility, service, and excellence with Mike Wilson and Micah Lunt. Don't miss part two. And you can find the video. This is a video recording as well as an audio. If you go to pricelessprofessional.com forward slash local government and local government is all one word, pricelessprofessional.com forward slash local government. You're going to learn more about how they're changing the world through government services. And you don't want to miss part two because we go into more detail. And at the end of part two, don't miss where I share my comments about the top takeaways from the conversation. So I'll be excited for you to tune in for that. And 
Be sure to subscribe to the Wake Up Eager Workforce podcast wherever you get your podcasts. And as a reminder, we're giving away a workplace motivators assessment today. Uh, and in part one and part two, we talk about, about trimetrics and workplace motivators. You can get your own 24-page report. You can use it for yourself or give it to someone in your life who would like to have more clarity about what their top drivers are, what puts gas in their tank so they can align and be a fit for their future. We have about 100 different development resources related to getting that free workplace motivators assessment. It's a $350 value. And what we are asking is we're giving away some of these assessments to anyone who leaves us a review for the Wake Up Eager Workforce podcast. So leave us a review on iTunes and let me know and I'll send you that complimentary link so that you can get the free episode. If you're not sure how to leave a review, go to pricelessprofessional.com forward slash review and we give you a little tutorial on that. You can find the Wake Up Eager Workforce podcast uh, at, at Workforce.com or anywhere that you get your episodes and you can reach out to me, Susie at pricelessprofessional.com. All right, we'll see you soon. Hope you keep on waking up eager. This episode of the Wake Up Eager Workforce Podcast was brought to you by Priceless Professional Development. Thank you for tuning in. If you enjoyed today's show, head over to pricelessprofessional.com to gain access to more professional development resources. 